The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor for the magazine. In this episode, you'll hear from Camille Renshaw, CEO and co-founder of B&E, a modern investment brokerage firm specializing in net lease real estate and 1031 exchanges. She spoke at CCM Institute's 2019 Global Conference on how keeping an eye on diversity translates to tangible results on a business's bottom line. You'll hear the audio recording of her session at the conference. This is one you won't want to miss. So it seems appropriate that I should start a conversation about that, that features women and saying it's really cold in here. Um, so I was saying to all the women in the back, um, here we go. Well, guys, it's great. It's great to spend time with CCIMs. I love being with you guys because you're not all, but many of you are entrepreneurs like I am. And so we kind of get each other, right? And we understand some of the risks and some of the cowboy moves. And uh, we understand the role, how crucial it was to get something like CCIM in our lives so that we could uh, kind of get our house in order, if you will, you know, that you could take uh, what you had and kind of order it, uh, put it in order per the CCIM education. So I started coding when I was in seventh grade. You know, I started a ULI talk with that a few months ago, and I joke that that's the first ULI talk ever that started that way. I'm pretty sure that's true here, too. Uh, I really, I came from a real estate family, uh, mostly farming, but it, as a lot of Southern families will, it turned into a lot of development and, uh, gosh, we had mineral rights on some things. It was sort of complicated. I, I mostly have, like, a <laughs> the ugly problems to deal with now uh, from generations of that. Uh, but I did not want to go into real estate, and I kept kind of playing on my computer and trying to figure out what to do with that. I really didn't have any role models. I mean, I didn't really have any role models in tech, but certainly for women in tech. And my parents, uh, I think they just really wanted me to marry well, candidly, and they uh, thought if I became a lawyer that that would help uh, whether I married well or I didn't. And I did marry well. I did not end up marrying exactly like my parents thought I I would marry. Um, But I realized that I had to kind of strike my own path, and I didn't want to do it under uh, my family's umbrella. My family's a little more conservative than me, and I realized that they would be able to sort of dominate many decisions in my life, and that isn't what I really wanted. So I kept pursuing tech. I was fortunate to do a neural networks project for uh, actually five years in undergrad because my fifth year was a fellowship. Neural networks, for those of you on your phone right now, that fingerprint thing that you have there, uh, neural networks was the precursor to that. And we were working with light waves to try and figure out how we would eventually be able to identify you with your thumbprint, and et cetera. And I was the lowest man on the totem pole, but I learned a ton. I went into my 20s and had several startups. Disco was the one that got mentioned by Tim. Uh, That's the one that made the most money and got me back into real estate. Uh, Candidly, my father and grandfather were like, hey, you know, 
this is great, this happened, don't blow it. So I ended up buying a portfolio of single tenant and a portfolio of residential initially. And, you know, I was lucky. I hated the residential. So this is not a, this is not a smart move. I was a lucky move that I sold everything in 2004 and 2005. So, and I rolled a lot of that into more single tenant. And I still own some of that single tenant today. That's the wonderful, wonderful thing about single tenant and net lease real estate, for those of you familiar with it, is often it has long-term leases, right? So I was fortunate enough to just have those keep rolling and, uh, you know, getting rental bumps and everything throughout the recession. And it made a real impression on me. At the same time, I was fortunate enough to um, get meet Cynthia Shelton through the CCIM classes. I was trying to figure out what is this stuff that I bought? What do I do with it? And from there, I she actually got me my first, forgot that, you got me my first interview uh, with Collier's. So I got to work alongside of some wonderful people at Collier's. I made the decision to go there versus other firms uh, because there were so many people there that weren't my age. And I knew I could learn from them. You know, a lot of them are like 15 years older or so, which for those of you in the audience, that is a wonderful way to choose a job um, if it is a generous culture because they will take time and give you opportunities on projects, pay you a spiff on something, and then you, you've got that deal under your belt. So I did that at Collier's. I from there went on to, as was mentioned, the, the Stan Johnson company on the single tenant side eventually to 10X. When I got to 10X, when I even got the opportunity to talk about 10X, it was so cool because for the first time I could talk about, I used to be a tech entrepreneur and merge these worlds back together and it began to make some sense. At this, also at the same time, my founding team for the Stan Johnson Company's office in New York came with me and they all got tech experience. And then uh, two years ago, we left 10X and we went out on our own and formed B&E which is a net lease brokerage. You can see there's sort of a net lease single tenant anthem in here. Uh, I love net lease real estate because I feel like it's the American dream or it's the entree into the American dream. Anybody can own net lease real estate, right? And B&Es, which you'll see in a minute, mission statement is to help virtually anyone confidently trade net lease. It's interesting because I hear my people talk about it. You know, I ask them, why do you work? Which is really the theme of this talk. Why do you work? It's my favorite question right now. And if you ever give these kinds of talks and you have to talk about yourself, I suggest you do what I do, which is use it as an opportunity to explore what you're looking at personally. I'm going to dinner with one of the speakers tonight, and she can go ahead and prepare herself. Then I'm going to ask her, why do you work? It's the question that I ask to everybody. Why do you work? Why do you work? We work at BNE to help virtually anyone confidently trade in at least. Why do I work? Well, I have this family situation that I often allude to in these talks in which I had a mother who really came from a background without any money and a father who came from uh, wealth. That created in my childhood, and many of you have these kinds of events, this tension that stays with me my whole life in which my personal mission is to help women make more money. It just is. And it doesn't mean that I don't help a ton of men. I mean, I've made millions and millions of dollars for men but I really love it when I can get a woman into the industry, when I can get her invested, when I can help her on a career conversation, when I can connect people. That's my life's mission. That's why I work. So this is the key to that, though. That my thesis, and it didn't really start this way with most of the companies that have invested in a lot of companies along the way, 
it didn't really start with this whole idea that, you know, diverse companies are more innovative. It was kind of a gut feeling as I started. Most of you are entrepreneurs. This is the way we make a lot of decisions, right? I love Casey's data. I wish I was that smart and always started with the data. I often start with a gut feeling and then I end up with some data. Um, which is the case in this. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, right? Um, but the, the idea was if I had more diverse teams, if I had more perspectives on the team, then I could hedge against risk better. I could see things in a different way coming towards me. And by that, I mean age diversity, you know, religion, whatever you have. Um, and that has been a pretty successful thesis so far. I've already shared this with you as a screenshot of what B&E looks like on your phone. If any of you would like to go buy Dunkin' Donuts right after this, you can just go submit an LOI. We have a lot of very cool tech at B&E, you know, can imagine, given my background that I've told you. And we are doing a ton to collect data on folks that are uh, trading net lease. We have the largest database of, of those properties and that kind of thing. So why do I work? I work because if I can get all of this cool innovation in net lease, and I can make it go faster and make it more accessible, then all the people in my company can begin to help truly virtually anyone trade net lease, which like Teal Henderson is here. She's trying to get athletes. Teal, you weren't in the talk that I gave before, but like, you know, these are largely young African-American high net worth athletes that she's trying to get into net lease for the first time. They don't have to understand property management. They don't have to have all the systems in place for net lease, right? This is the American dream. Beyond your home, you can own net lease. Innovation and diversity is key to this, key to this idea. And so I want to brag that 50% of the company is women, or I should say brokers in particular, as I'm saying teal here, 50% uh, men. The ages range from 23 to 56. Um, our board, and I didn't plan this at all, um, is almost half women. I have someone who's gay among our advisors. I have a person of color. Um, and why is that useful? It's because they don't think the same. And they argue with each other. They are the brightest people that I know that I will actually like listen to and stop in my tracks and change course. You know, I, I encourage all of you to get a board like this. Um, board members range from 35 to 70 in age. It's really useful. And the thing I'd love to brag to you about, this actually is working. We're in our first full year of sales, and we're going to end in December with about half a billion in sales, year one. And I really don't take credit for that. I think this team that we put together is phenomenal. And to watch them innovate together because they have diverse perspectives and because they believe in the mission that's why we work. So innovation comes from ideation. This is a Harvard Business Review article that this is quoting. And it's really got four stages to it. It's a scale, get a bunch of people. You know, if it was all of you, that's probably chaos. But more than like the three people who might agree with me, you know, get, get a bunch of people together uh, from your company to discuss a project or to create a new product. Um, frequency, do it a bunch. Do it a bunch. It doesn't have to be daily, but more than weekly if you're really trying to get ideas together so that people are thinking and beginning to have conversation in the hall and think about this new project or product that you want to create. Engagement. Make sure that they actually understand how to evaluate something together and talk and say, no, that's not really what I meant. I meant this. 
okay, I hear you there. Let me say it back to you. You know, like if any of you have ever been in really good marriage counseling, which, you know, I hope all of you have been, I have been, and they teach you the really goofy trick of like, when you're really irritated with your spouse, you have to say back to them what you heard, which probably isn't what they really said. If you'd use it in the workplace, it's phenomenal. You know, did they actually hear you? Will somebody from the tech team hear what a broker says? It's interesting, engagement. And then diversity, which I've already talked about. So I'm going to go through a few stats here quickly. I'm happy to share this deck with anyone. I never give this talk. I think I've given one real diversity talk before. Um, so anyone can have it. This is not how I make my living or something. I, I know how to make money. I, I'm not an HR specialist. So that's what this is about. How do you guys make more money? So take it and do what you will with it. Companies with the highest percentage of female board directors, directors outperform those without women on their boards by 53%. Are there other revenue initiatives that would increase <laughs> increase performance by 53% that your company is overlooking? I seriously doubt it. So this is one that I'm always like, this is a no-brainer. This is really, really easy to try and improve revenues and improve performance to your company. Innovation revenues. So this is like for the teams that are doing a new project, not just like any team in your company. So not... You know, if, you've, if you have a department that's not really doing anything differently, like you've always kind of done HR the same or administrative, if there's some division for you, all companies are different, this is not speaking to those teams. These are the ones that are kind of out on the bleeding edge trying to do something new. If you can get um, at least 20% of those managers to be women, your revenues will increase by 25% from those line items. Again, are there other things in your company that would increase revenues by 25% that you're just kind of blowing past and hiring the friend, the guy that you knew from whatever. 23% of senior roles in Siri are held by women. That's a bad stat. That's not good. This is an opportunity right here. These are at your companies. Median age of CRE burgers. And now I've heard this in two meetings today, and I put this in my slide uh, uh, several days ago, and I, I've heard it many times, but you know, this is the opportunity. I don't know that it's a problem because it's one of the things I brag about in CRE is that we have great age diversity. I don't think it's necessarily a negative. In tech, we have a lot of really young people. It's great when we can get everybody together, you know, a multitude of opinions again. Um, but it's an opportunity. People are beginning to age out. They're not going to want to work full time as much. I mean, you know our segment. I'm going to work till I die. But, you know, there is an opportunity here to put women in some of these senior positions. And then here's the pay disparity, which is a horrible number. If a man in here is making 150 grand, uh, the woman who's got the same job is making 115. So as you're trying to go out, when you when you hear this thing of like, ah, we just can't find any candidates, well, that's crap. Go to any of the women from another company who do the same thing. They're probably underpaid. So if you will pay them parity to the men in your organization, you'll build a robust team, right? If you're a woman, wouldn't that make sense? This is a business opportunity. All right, how to capitalize on it. Four steps. One is acknowledge the revenue risk that you're currently undertaking if you're ignoring innovation, if you're ignoring how diversity, ideation, and innovation all work together and how it creates revenues. Um, I'll give you an example. Senior broker in our Chicago office now, he's been with us about a year I knew him when he was at Duke. I mean, Duke's quite prestigious organization. Duke is very open 
they have a, a great policy of uh, embracing the gay community, at least on paper. Tim was there 12 years. I began recruiting him for a broker. I knew he'd kill, he'd never been a broker. I knew he'd crush it as a broker. And uh, Duke came along and offered him basically the same pay, as far as I can tell, the same package. And I was like, oh, you know, I can offer you know, scale, opportunity, you know, uh, stock options at some point, you know, that sort of thing. But Duke is going to be able to have a more predictable path and probably bigger benefits and all kinds of stuff. Tim actually came to me and said, Camille, I want to come work for B&E because I've been at Duke all these years and they know I'm gay and they accept me, but I have to pretend with the clients that I'm not gay. It's a very masculine presenting, handsome man. He said, and I can't have my family on my desk. So this is a man who chose to come to work for B&E because he knows he can be his whole self at B&E. And I would tell you right now, I believe he's going to do seven figures this year. That was a good buy right there, right? Like that you reach out. You reach out for a diverse candidate. You find sort of where the friction is in their life and what they need and what they're not getting from another company and, and work to make money at it. Hit the topic of diversity head on and openly. I would tell you, you know, if you don't know whether to say your partner or your wife or your spouse, or you sort of hedging on the gay conversation, um, if you're saying, you know, I don't really know if I should say black or person of color or African American, the thing I would tell you is don't not talk about diversity issues. Be open about them. Ask. You know, you can ask me. You know, I, I'm gay. I, I am married to a woman. You can ask me. Just be humble in this when you ask anybody sort of what it is that's going on in their situation. Humility is key to this so that we can all have this conversation and all of you can get diversity in your organizations. Uh, defining diversity matters too. And it'll be different for all of you what diversity you want because you're, if you're already a person of color, diversity is going to mean something else for you than it might be for somebody else in here. Um, I also would say, in defining it, uh, one of my startups that I've invested in, uh, I won't say which one, had three female uh, leaders in the organization, no male. And it just continuously was a problem that I would try and go to them about. Uh, they would all have the same opinion. They all have basically the same education and experience. They badly needed a couple of men in the room, badly. They've since actually undergone a bankruptcy, reorganized, and have two more men. That We had to reorganize the leadership, and they're profitable now. Give your team a plan and the power to make change, like any other revenue initiative. Um, I won't go too far down this line. I'm happy it's like a talk within itself um, to talk about this, but just create a plan. You know, create a business plan with action items around it. Um, and this plays into the fourth one, which is set KPIs, key performance indicators. It's a Silicon Valley thing. Uh, Google it. <laughs> KPI asked me about it. I'm happy to share. But what it does is it says, hey, if we want by the end of 2020 to on our innovative um, projects to have 25% you know, women in the leadership roles, set that as a KPI. And that's a number. You can measure it. And then you know how successful your initiative is. Okay, again, why do I work? I think hopefully by the end of this, you guys will have an idea. I work to, uh, you know, for the American dream, to make sure that all of you, all of my employees, our clients, all can own more real estate, 
you know, the, the, especially the people who are disadvantaged can come into the segment who maybe have never owned any real estate before. And I'll close with this story, especially since there's an ex-Colliers person in the room, because um, she'll know this guy. Um, in a room like this, when I first joined Colliers, they were doing the award ceremony thing. If any of you belong to brokerage firms, you know it's like a January event where they say broker of the year and all that stuff. Well, the broker of the year that year was John Dumpy. He had sold the most. And he's of Irish lineage, which you can remember not too long ago was on my diversity side of the aisle. Um, and John, they were like, oh, John, come up, come up, tell us why you won. And he was like, ah, and he just like took the award and went back. And everybody starts laughing and they have to pull him up a couple of times. And then he finally tells them, it's because I work harder than you do. Which, he's talking about us, right? It'd be like if I said that about you guys. You know, so we all start dying laughing, and he's trying to sit down again. And you know, Pat Duffy pulls him back up, and he's like, no, I'm being serious. I don't, have a, I don't come from a wealthier family than you guys. I don't have a better education than you. I don't have more of, like, anything. I work harder than you do. And it's one of those things that I would say to the diversity candidates in the room. I can't... Uh, if somebody in here doesn't already have it, isn't already aligned with the soft points of why we want more diversity in our workforce, that's not what my talk is about. I'm not good at that. Somebody with uh, more of an HR background or lean in or something should do that. I know how to make money, and I'm trying to drive towards that. So hopefully for the, for the decision makers in the room, this is compelling. But for those of you who are on the other side of it, who are the diverse candidates, I would tell you I don't have a special formula for you, I would just tell you that very much like Billie Jean King, who you know, you know, she had a lot she was working for, you know, I have a lot to say. And if I'm not number one, I can't say it. You guys are in the same position. You have to work harder than everyone else in order to get the job, to get the attention, to get the promotion. And I hope that that world eases for you. But I would say go out there and do it. I'm doing it. I'm happy to help you in any way I can with that next promotion, that next conversation. And if it's not me, I'll introduce you to someone who can. I really think the world is going to change and this country is going to have greater and greater innovation as we put more diversity into our workforce. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.